Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Bill Faulkner, the host of the Mastering Rod Building Podcast, and got a fun topic today, uh, a little bit of a debate and discussion topic, uh, and that is a question I get asked all the time, or people don't believe me when I tell them, that you can build a custom rod as good as a factory rod on your very first attempt. Now, I know that sounds controversial, and there's a lot of really good rods being made by factories here in North America and abroad. But the reality is, given a few caveats and, and, and call-outs and warnings, uh, I devoutly believe that you can build a, a, a rod just as good as a factory rod, maybe even better on your very first attempt. But, uh, you know, I'm not objective. I have a, an enthusiasm bias on this. So I've brought in one of the most knowledgeable uh, objective and data-driven people I know in the rod building industry. You've heard him on the podcast before, and that's Mr. Tom Kirkman. Tom is the editor of Rodmaker Magazine. Uh, Tom ran uh, TKR Rods and, and is a very, very talented wood turner rod builder and also hosts the International Custom Rod Building Exposition, which I know we've talked about uh, several times. But uh, welcome in, Tom. Thanks for joining me. Great to be here. All right, I have the the devil on my one shoulder telling me to tell everybody, oh, it's easy, do it. You can build a better rod than a factory rod your very first try. But I, I'm looking for a little uh, reality check and some objectivity and, and a conscience to keep me in line. So um, as many times as I've had this conversation with people, I can only imagine you've had it 10 times more, oh, yeah. right? But uh, so so talk to me. I mean, uh, what? how would you react to uh, my bold statement that you can build a rod as good as uh, a factory rod on, on the first attempt? And, and why should you even try? I, I would say it's very possible and even very likely. But I think we have to recognize the demographics most likely to be drawn to custom rod building. Okay. And these would be people that are already considered, what's the term, uh, ma a maker. Right. Uh, people that are handy around the house, they fix things. They DIY things. types. Yep. They're involved, already involved in some other sort of craft or hobby. Maybe they tie flies, you know, good at fixing a lawnmower. They're people that are adept with their hands. They got some common sense. Yep. They're, they're reasonably capable of, of, of doing this sort of thing. Yep. So what stops many of these people, though, getting involved is this idea that there's a certain knowledge and skill involved in rod building that the professionals at the commercial rod operations have that they don't. It's not really true. Yep. I mean, yeah, we, we're not talking about uh, designing and building your own rod blanks with tremendous... Uh, expensive equipment we're talking about the assembly of a rod the components are available the blanks are available right uh, the knowledge is available if you're good with your hands if you got some common sense if you a little bit of patience yeah you can do it absolutely you, you wouldn't be the first person that has right well that that makes perfect sense so uh you know the other thing we should just address it and i know we talked about this i've talked about this on another episode a little bit but um, the other thing is, you know, how much equipment does it really take to get into this? Like there, there's some materials and tools and things that you need. Um, and again, I'm not going to steer your answer. I'd just be interested in how you would, you would answer that question. Rod building is largely a, a handcraft. There are certain things that will make it easier. Obviously you need something to support a rod blank with. A mm -hmm. lot of guys start with a cardboard box with two V notches cut in it. I made a couple of little wooden uh, V-stands and yep. use C-clamps to clamp them to the table. You need something to tension the thread. Right. Uh, honestly, beyond that, you really don't need much else. Uh, right. Maybe some alcohol and some paper towels. 
right. a tape measure. Uh, there, there's very little else that you really need to, to get started in this. And believe it or not, having better equipment, while nice, doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to build a better rod. The quality of the rod is going to come from from you, you know, what, what you do, how you go about it, how careful you are, how precise you are. There is no machinery that automatically guarantees you'll have a perfect rod. And right. contrary to what a lot of people may think, if you went to uh, any of the large commercial rod operations, what you're going to see when you get to the assembly room are people doing the exact same thing that custom rod builders do right. and in the same way. It's still a very labor-intensive uh, craft or business. Right. Uh, fishing rods are not just spit out of a machine. The parts do have to be assembled, and all that's still done by hand. Right. So there's nothing to keep you from doing it by hand at home. I mean, it's a tough challenge for me, and I I, and I don't get too deep in the weeds here, but there's also an, another question I get all the time, Tom, is – well, should I should I build a few just with this really basic equipment or should I go ahead and or is that going to make it harder and make me enjoy the process less? And should I should I go ahead and bite the bullet and in the spirit of sort of buy once, cry once, go ahead and get some equipment and try it? I mean, how would you answer that question? Uh, I mean, you already said and I want to I want to I want to echo this just yeah. because you have the best equipment doesn't mean you're going to build the best rods. I think no, that is no. mostly a patience and determination and sort of. Uh, willingness to get it right, including if Absolutely. that means peeling it off and doing it over and over and over, you know, that's okay. But you ultimately are the one and only quality control department. So whether, right. whether you're using thread through a book with, uh, you know, with a spool and a cup and, you know, through the, uh, on the cardboard V notches or whether you're using a bobbin, you know, in some kind of homemade setup, like you're talking about, most of how your finished product comes out is not going to be driven by the equipment it's going to be driven by your willingness to say this is how this is perfect this is right this is how i want it or redoing it right exactly you know i, I built my first several rods on those uh wooden v blocks uh, mm -hmm. got my tension put the thread spool in a coffee cup ran the mm -hmm. thread through a book threw another book on top those rods are every bit as good as rods i built today in, at least in terms of workmanship. Now, as you go along, you you learn and you'll start to do certain things different as far as the design of the rod. Right. But I, I'm not sure that a person, unless they are absolutely convinced that they really want to get into this in a big way and stay at it, I, I don't think I'd go out on a limb and, and buy a lot of expensive equipment. It's yeah. okay if you want to buy a simple hand wrapper. That's that's not a tremendous investment. But I think I would, I would dip my toe in the water. I'd build a rod. And I think what happens to a lot of people once they get it done and they take it fishing and it works, they catch a fish on it and it doesn't blow apart. The real sea doesn't come loose and the guides don't tear off the rods. That's when they say, you know what? I can do this. Hey, was that a shot at Dale? Was that a shot at Dale Clemens with the real seat coming loose? No, no. And, first and, and, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I bring that up on purpose because even, even very accomplished rod builders will have learnings along the way, right? <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. And, and he mentioned in, in his book that that was uh, yeah. his first attempt. He didn't really know how to do certain things, which you have to remember in, during that time period, we didn't have access. We didn't have all this information, The right? amount yeah. of information. Classes, yeah. Yeah, but but no, I, I mean, I, I think for me, when I built my first rod, it came out really well. Yeah. And so now it was time to take it out and fish it. And I was a little nervous. Yeah. I remember you telling me this, that you were like, what's going to happen when I cast it? <laughs> because I'm I'm not a professional rod builder. And these right. guys at the factories, I they see the nice advertisements in the magazines right. and and everything. And, and, uh, the first time I caught a reasonably good sized fish and put a 
good bend in the rod and and landed the fish, I remember the thought coming to me that, well, I'm never going to buy another commercially made rod. I'm just going to build them. Yep. I can do this. So yep. I think you have to get over the, the confidence hump. Yeah. And that first rod will do it. But I, but I would not spend a tremendous amount of money on tools and equipment until you decide, I like this, I enjoy yeah. it, and I'm going to stay at it. Then it's it's time to do more. And you may not want to jump to the very top end. Sure. Let, let's face it, the difference between a, a power wrapper and a hand wrapper really is just the mechanical rotation of the rod. And unless you're building surf rods, big game rods, that sort of thing, uh, even the best uh, power wrappers out there, you know, I've got a couple of Renzettis, mm -hmm. but I do an awful lot of wrapping on those machines by hand. I turn yeah. the rod by hand. You know, the tip sections of fly rods and, oh, yeah. and that sort of thing, power I don't even anyway. bother yeah. powering up. Yeah. So, um yeah, I, I would I would just take it easy on the equipment investment up front, find out if you like it, and then go from there. Yeah, and you made a kind of a subtle but really important point here. I want to unpack it just a little bit. You said that the first rods you built were absolutely functionally sound, meaning they've held up, they fish, they don't come apart. This is to take nothing away from we're we're not trying to I'm not trying to be a snake oil salesman here. Mm -hmm. If you want to become a professional rod builder. And you want to become sort of what we would consider a journeyman level craftsman. And you want to, I think you should not only be able to execute, but be able to master all the advanced techniques, all the various thread and decorative techniques, all the various different construction methods, custom fabrication of your own grips, handles, the ability to customize ergonomics, you know, the ability. So don't get me wrong. You're not going to build. You're not going to build a rod that has a Jim Upton weave the first time you try it, right? Your rod's not going to look like Doc Ski or Jim Trelikas or somebody your first try. But if you are just building a functional tool that will do the job and last well and serve you well, that's easy to do. So I'm we're not minimizing the difficulty of some of these decorative uh, techniques. We're not minimizing, you know, you obviously can't turn your own custom ergonomically sound wood handle or something on a on a cardboard box with feed blocks right yeah. but but if you're just gonna but you don't have to you don't have to See, that's that's the point and and I, I think people get carried away when they think of custom rods they think of all the decorative touches all the thread art the fact right, is yeah. the fact is 95 percent of all the custom rods made in the world do not have any, any of that decorative yeah. embellishments at all. Right. There are people who just want to build a rod and go fishing. Maybe they enjoy the handcrafts just like they would tying flies and doing that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe they want to save money and, and you can once right. you get reach a certain level on, I mean, it's tough to build uh it's tough to save money if you're, you're already buying $49.95 rods. Yeah. You know, if you buy good rods, if you're buying rods that cost uh, 200, 300, $400, $500, you can typically build those rods uh, equal quality, equal performance for a lot less money. Um, I, I never did it to save money. Uh, and I guess some of the things I've done over the years, I don't know that I'm saving any, but if that's your goal, you, you can do <laughs> I that. I shudder to think, I don't ever want to see a true accounting of everything because I bet it would hurt my feelings, but I've sure yeah, but, have enjoyed but I, it. I, I would hate for anybody to think that, uh, gosh, if I build a custom rod, I don't know how to do a diamond wrap. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to, that's, that's, th those are just add-ons. Yep. Absolutely. You and know, build and, a rod, see if you enjoy it, take it fishing and go from there. Yeah. And, and a lot of the things you mentioned, I, I am hundred percent in agreement that if a guy wants to become an accomplished custom rod builder and be in the business and right. sell rods, he yep. needs to be able to do the things that his customers 
ask him to do. But it's not a requirement. Uh, right. There, are, I, I don't. I guess Rich Forehand. I'm sure he can do a decorative wrap, but he doesn't. He won't. I don't think he could get him to. <laughs> no, and I mean it's it's, uh, and yet he builds a you know a, an outstanding rod. Yeah, and so yeah. you have to ask yourself, what am I in this for? What are my right. aspirations? But I, I, as far as all the decorative stuff. From the start, I wouldn't worry about that. Exactly. It's it's awesome. And you may find yourself getting energized and engaged by this craft. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned the first time, I vividly remember the first fish I caught on my first rod that I built. And it was actually the very first cast. Uh, and, and I was talking to Mike Ward at Back Creek Custom Rod and Custom Colored Guides. And, and he described, no, 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 I'm sorry. It wasn't him. It was David Boyle. And David described the first time he built a rod and he said it was like and went out and caught a fish with it he, he was like it was like being struck by lightning right it was like a clear before and after and i love that description because um it, it, if this resonates with you and i think if you're interested enough to be thinking about it and listening to a podcast like this i would absolutely encourage you to take the plunge right like and and maybe you'll get struck by lightning in a good way right we don't we don't uh, encourage fishing in unsafe environmental conditions and all that mind the weather but um so let's talk about a couple other things too because you and i debated a little bit before we started this thing whether whether the way we wanted to take this was that you could build a rod as good as a factory uh, or versus w whether we should say hey you can build a rod better than factory rod your first time right and it, and it you kept me honest and it depends on so many things and we want to manage expectations and everything else but let me just throw out a couple of other considerations if you will. And I'd love your reaction to this. Um, OEMs, factory manufacturers of fishing rods face a lot of challenges, right? One of those challenges is they have to, they are constrained by what consumers will buy. You know, there's this old phrase that you got to catch the fishermen first, right? Mm -hmm. So what you're going to find on these factory rods is very often what is considered traditional and, you know, the norm and not necessarily the newest, most innovative or what's right for you, right? OEMs are forced to build rods for the average, and I'm putting up quote fingers, average angler sure. fishing with, you know, common and average techniques. No one individual angler is average, right? You may be taller, shorter, uh, skinnier, uh, plumper, stronger, weaker, male, female, uh, older, younger. There can be any number of things that inform what rod performs or fits best for you, right? Um, and, and, and also technique-specific things. The vast majority of, if we looked at the numbers and statistics of fishing in this country, it's predominantly bass fishing, right? And then it's fly fishing and then it's saltwater fishing. So a lot of these things are built to where the customers are, right? And and if you're a technique specific bass fisherman, you're probably going to be able to find what you want. If you're skipping baits under docks at night for snook and speckled trout, you might not find the rod that you need because it's just, it's not a huge kind of average uh application if you're fishing really small streams as a fly fisherman versus you know or really big rivers as a fly fisherman all these things might inform what you need and you know to me another reason not not to get too complicated or too far in the weeds but all of these things are at your disposal you, you have total control of this when you go to make the rod yourself you want a longer or shorter handle done you have a special need for some different ergonomics 
done. You can do this, right? Um, you you want to build a technique specific rod that you just can't find on the rack. You, you, everything that is available is too long, too stiff, too all that stuff, right? I mean, you you do have the ability to build that which is not available even on your first attempt. I mean, would you agree with that? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I do agree that all the things you just mentioned are good reasons to get into custom rod building. I don't know that you want to lean too heavily on them, though, for your first rod or two. I, I think the main thing is before you can worry about all the specialized applications, technique-specific rods, decorative aesthetics and all that, you need to learn to build a rod. Yeah. And I think the best way to do that is to start small, inexpensive, basic equipment and learn. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could go to go on YouTube and go on Facebook. There's, there's books out there. You can, you can arm yourself with a ton of information, almost overwhelm yourself with how much information there yeah. is and end up not doing very well on your first ride and saying, ah, oh, to heck with this. And you never pick it up again because you're trying to do too much. Yeah. I think the first rod you need to stay simple. You need to stay basic. And I, I look back to things that over the years, I've worked with so many people and I've seen the problem areas they have. Yeah. Um, obviously, th there needs to be uh, a good knowledge of why am I doing this? How, right. how do I mount a handle? Right. Uh, why do I space the guides here? Uh, how do I wrap the guides? That sort of thing. And all yeah. that information is available and it can be learned. But beyond that, I would say that don't get too distracted. Yeah. Don't get too distracted. Don't get in over your head. You know, I have a lot of guys come to me and say, well, I, I just don't know how to work with this epoxy. I, I'm terrified. I'm going to get all this done and then I'm going to put the epoxy finish on the wraps and, and I'm going to ruin it. And, and I tell them, look, the very first rod I ever built, I put epoxy on the wraps. In fact, it was a, a two part. Uh, came in four packages from Cabela's. I'm oh, sure I remember the Cabela's. I think it was supplied yeah. by Flexcoat. I'm going way back now to the 70s. Oh, yeah. But uh, I got a perfect epoxy job, as good as I've ever done, on my first attempt. And the reason was because- I hate you. I hate I you. I did almost <laughs> nothing to- I didn't know yeah. Yeah. that you were supposed to heat things and twist things and, and, and yeah. Yeah. make yeah. these magic chants. So we, I just- <laughs> Took a brush. They're not chants. They're incantations. There's Incant, whatever they are. But I mean, I just put it on the wraps and and stayed there an hour or two and flipped it every ten or fifteen minutes, and it I got a perfect finish. Yeah. But there's other ways to do all this. For instance, if you're really worried about epoxy, don't use it. Go to the hardware store and get yourself some exterior clear gloss urethane. Bar urethane, yeah. And put three or four coats of that. It's just yeah. like like painting with a brush, three or four coats of that on the wraps. Yep. Your wraps are going to last for many, many years. Yep. But the main thing is don't get out ahead of your skis. Yeah. Build a rod. If, if you've got a factory rod you like, copy it. You get, you know, just start, make it easy on yourself. Yeah. Get started. Once you've done a rod or two, as you go along, you're going to start absorbing more information, you're going to gain more knowledge, more skill. And then you can say, well, my next rod, now I'm going to branch out. I'm going to do this. Yeah. Or now I'm going to do something technique specific. Yeah. I sort of understand power and action and how rods respond based on their different lengths and weights. Right. Right. And you can say for skipping uh, lures under a dot for snook, as you mentioned, yeah. this is what I think I need. Then you target that blank, yeah. you buy that, you build that rod. But I, I wouldn't start that way i think yeah. it's, it's too easy to get discouraged and there's no reason to be discouraged yeah just get started 
It's a good point. I, I got to tell you, I'm listening to you talk and uh, I've seen a lot of your rods and I've seen, I would say one of the things that you do immaculately well is finish. And so now I'm like, wow, I need to see this first rod. If that's the best finish you ever did, I've seen some awfully good finish from you. <laughs> well, I mean, this, this is an aside to our conversation, but the reason most people that have problems with epoxy finish have those problems is because they're trying to do too much. Yep. They just won't step back and let the epoxy do what it was designed to do. I mean, it shouldn't take more than 30 seconds to put uh, epoxy on a wrap. You know, you do the, do the whole rod three or four minutes and then get away from it. I, I literally, I'm, I'm in the throes right now of doing a bunch of sort of uh, prototyping and rod development work for some, some potential customers. Right. And so the, the goal is you get a blank, you build it very rapidly the way you think it needs to be built. And then you go out and fish it and test it and then you tweak it. Right. And so no cosmetic embellishments, nothing extra, you know, just rapid. And, and, uh, I feel like I've learned this lesson at least three or four times over the years. And, and there's some great articles you've done in Rodmaker magazine about this, but like put it on there, leave it alone. And, and, and literally I've had to do that out of haste. And because I, for the first time in 28 years, didn't really care what the finish looked like. Right. I'm not putting the, my name on it. I'm not putting the logo on it. I'm not worried about who's going to be looking at it and just literally, I wouldn't go so far as to say slapping it on and, and moving on, but it's shocking how well the finish is turning out on these rods. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I may have, I may have convinced myself to overdo it over the years. No, really. It's, it's a very valid point. I did a seminar on rod finishing, uh, wrap finishing at one of the expos. I think it was 20, I don't know if it was 2016, 2017, but, uh, I had hesitated to do it for many years because I said, well, how can you do a seminar on epoxy wrap finishing there? I mean, this, this a seminar is going to last three minutes. There's, there's right. nothing to do. There's nothing to say. <laughs> Maybe that makes its own point. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we got it. We got in the room there at, at the uh, exposition hall and uh, I made a few opening remarks and I mixed up some finish and uh, we had a sample rod there and I put finish on the guide wrap and I said, okay, that's it. And everybody looked at each other like, well, we've only been here in the room for, for five minutes. I said, well, I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, you just watched. <laughs> That's all there is to it. So we, we got in a little bit of, of Q&A, you know, and at some point I'm looking back. I've got the camera on the, the rod there and the finish is leveled out beautifully and no bubbles or anything. And uh, I, I had one of the gentlemen come up and said, I want you to take that brush and mess that wrap up. So try not to get it on the rod, but just just muss it up, you know, just drag it around, mess yeah, it up. Right. And he did, did a pretty good job of it. And he went and sat down. I said, all right, now I'm not really going to do anything here. And I just flipped a rod over and I said, we'll get back to that in a minute. And we went back to some more Q&A and five or six minutes went by and I went back and put the camera on the wrap. I said, now look at it now. And once again, it was perfect. Yeah. The finish will fix itself. Right. Yeah. But again, that's, that's. Yeah. That is an aside in a rabbit hole, but it's a great point. Yeah. Another discussion. But I would say uh, there's nothing difficult about building your own rod. And if there are certain aspects that you're not sure about, or you, you've seen a lot of uh, talk on the internet and other places about how difficult this is or how uh, expensive this is, or right. you're going to have trouble with this. Only if you make it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just don't want to overcomplicate things. If anybody thinking about building a rod, if they had access to a commercial rod factory, and most don't, but if they did, and they could walk in and look at these rods being built, I'm sure their first thought would be, well, I can do this. Yeah. 100%. That, you know, and, and the funny thing is a $600 rod, a $700, $800 commercially made fly rod, for instance, is not assembled any differently than the $50 rod. Right. Steps are the same. 
Right. It's just quality of materials, maybe in some cases, skill and experience of the craftsman and and the investment in tooling and all that. But yeah, that 100%. You know, I'm a forever an optimist, right? Uh, I see the silver lining and everything. But we're talking about the challenges and the pitfalls. And we'll talk some more about these, the barriers and, and what people need to know to be eyes wide open going into this. But one of the things that can also happen, Tom, is you can build an exceptional rod on your first attempt. And some people are exactly the kind of people to do this, right? Yep, and yeah. and and maybe they were destined to do this. And that's one of the things that I'm so shocked about these days is how many people, how good some builders are able to get within their first few rods. It took me oh, yeah. a lot of rods before I was like, okay, I'm pretty happy with how this is turning out. And I'm starting to get some predictability. You see some of these people, they'll bring us up a rod at a ICRBE or somewhere and you look at it and you're like, wow, this is a really good rod. And you're like, yeah, it's my third one. You're like, what? Right. what are you talking about? So let's talk a little bit about the upside of of the right kind of people. And, and what, what do you see when... I mean, you've probably seen or talked to more of these people who who are really building exceptional rod on their first few attempts. Like, what do you see as a common theme with those folks? Or well, I think they they just uh, they're they're very good with their hand skills. Mm-hmm. And some people are going to be better than others. You watch people tie flies. Some people tie a beautiful fly. Some people tie flies that are a little ragged or rough around the edges. Most of them. <laughs> um, they all catch fish, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it, I, I, but I don't think you necessarily want to be too hard on yourself if your first attempt isn't perfect. You know, I, I haven't built a perfect rod yet. And I think you talk to anybody, yeah, uh, even the, many of the very big names in this craft, and they'll tell you they've never built a perfect rod. They're always going to find something. It's the pursuit, right? Yeah, exactly. But again, I think you should be aiming to build the best rod you can, but don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. And this brings us back to, okay, what is the best place to start? Should I take a course? Should I read a book? Yeah, I was going to ask, What do you have an opinion? Because this used to not be an option. When I got into it, there were no classes to take. Right now, you, there are classes. Like, what? What's your thoughts on that? Well, the, the beauty of taking a class, I think it really helps calm people down. And mm-hmm. they feel like, okay, there'll be an instructor here. If I run into a problem, he or she is going to come by and show me how to do this. In right. other words, the, the fear of the risk of losing my investment. Yeah, it de-risks the whole thing. Yeah, you know, somebody's going to be there to steer me in the right direction. So I think if if you can find uh, a class, by all means, look into it. There's a lot of classes that are uh, given now by some of the uh, component suppliers. You know, Mudhole's given classes for years. They're not terribly expensive. And you're almost guaranteed to get a good result. Well, and you get the equipment. Like, I think the way they're running the classes, you you go home, you, you literally do like a weekend workshop, you build a rod and go home with the equipment to build more. Now, again, it's it's starter kind of equipment, like you're, you're saying, but, um, you know, to me, that's a real advantage too. You know, the other thing is it can be hard to, like, I remember vividly my first time, even though I bought a quote fingers kit, I had to get a tip top and that took me a few attempts, right? I had to get, a, I wanted a nickel silver winding check, which you can't ream, right? And yeah. so that took me, I didn't have a, I didn't have a digital caliper. And so I measured wrong and did the math wrong a couple of times. And it took me, if I still have some tiny little winding checks, I'll probably never use on anything because I misordered the wrong size. So the other thing that's kind of valuable about those courses, in addition to the stuff you're talking about is you get everything and, and the people putting together those shopping lists know literally exactly what you need, how much of what and you're not going to forget those little pieces and parts or have some of that trouble like I personally did, right? Yeah, I, I just think that that taking a, a class or a course uh, takes some of the fear out of the project. 
Now, if you're in an area where there's not a class um, and you don't want to travel to one, there's still a lot of good information out there. I would fall back on one of the books yeah. probably before uh, I would try to pick it up off uh, YouTube or something. And, you know, Interesting. The, the advent of YouTube and social media, there's a lot of extremely good videos out there, but there's a lot of very bad ones. There's too. a lot of bad information out there, too. That's yeah, right. but I mean, that's just none of this is fact check. Any Anybody can... Uh, put anything on YouTube. Yeah, I get phone calls and people say, well, I, I saw this on YouTube and I did this and I had this problem. And I said, well, what, what were you watching? And they'll tell me, I said, well, who, whose video? Well, it was Tuna Man 12. I said, well, who's Tuna Man 12? Well, I don't know. It was, it was on YouTube. <laughs> okay. Just because it's on YouTube doesn't mean it's correct. But That's right. There are an awful lot of uh, good books out there. As far as basic rod building tasks, they're very similar. Is your book still available? No, it went out of print, uh, I think, three years ago. I don't know if Amato picked it up again. I don't believe they did. The The book that I would recommend, honestly, is Boyd Pfeiffer's final revision of the complete book of tackle making, and it's called yeah. The Complete Book of Raw Building and Tackle Making. Now, this yeah. thing is huge. It's a tome. It's it's, yeah. it's it's more than just raw building, but, but the reason I like it is because, um, again, we're talking about fishermen with good hand skills that maybe want to extend – their enjoyment of, of the sport through the winter months or the evenings or something like that. And right. maybe you want to do more than just build rods. I mean, maybe you want to carve plugs. Maybe you want to pour spinner baits. Maybe you yep. want to tie nets yep. or, or tie flies. And uh, all that is it's it's all in there. Fantastic. Yeah. It's in my opinion, if you could only have one book on tackle making or rod building, that's the book. Yeah. And it, some people will remember the 74 book tackle craft. I got that for Christmas one year. That's what really got me started in all of this. Oh, really? Yeah. Gosh, yeah. if I'd have had this, this final book that he did back in the early two thousands, Oh my gosh. I, I don't know. Uh, as a kid with no money, but somebody that wanted to have, you know, fishing equipment, oh, I'd have spent all my right. time in the basement building things, but hundred um, percent. Yeah, I think there's, there's some good books out there and, it's a it's a handy resource, handy guide to have with you. Yeah. Um, but if I had my choice, I think just to get my feet, I'm not saying I wouldn't eventually buy some books and explore some other ways to do things, but just to get my feet wet, if I could take a class or a course, yeah. if, I, if I was worried, some people won't, don't need it. They're confident enough. They're just going to jump right in with a book or some other information. That's fine. Sure. They're probably going to have a good result. And, and as I'm sure you've learned uh, as the editor of Rodmaker uh, and answering all the emails and letters and whatnot, but some people follow instructions and written instructions better than others. <laughs> well, you know, there's such a thing as information overload. Uh, yeah, yeah. You get to the point where s people are seeing conflicting information from this person or that person or this book or that book. Right. And that's, to me, another advantage of, of a Rodmaking class or course is that whoever the instructor is, yeah. uh, everybody's going to be on the same path. And again, once once you get a rod or two under your belt, you can you can then go out on your own. You can learn more. You can read more. You can listen. You can watch and decide for yourself where you want to go. But again, I'm back to the the thing I've harped on since we started. If you want to do this, you just need to get started. Yeah. And the best way to get started is inexpensive, simple, of course, if possible. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. So that's excellent advice. How would you? What would you say to people in terms of managing their expectation of the learning curve, right? Because like anything, you get better with practice, right? Um, keep me honest, because I'm I'm super enthusiastic, and I'm going to say, you can build the best rod you've ever fished, the first one you do. And, you know, maybe that was my personal experience, but how, if you were going to kind of 
manage people's expectations and, and set a realistic goal, following this good advice to get basic equipment, get a class if you can, keep it simple, right? Um, wh- wh- I mean, what would you say the learning curve is? Uh, how many attempts does well, it take to, to get it a uh, finished product that you, you can be happy with? Well, that depends on the person. I mean, some people are, are their own worst critics. Other people uh, figure good enough is good enough. Yeah, yeah. I would, myself, I was shooting for something that would be at least as good as a factory, right? at least it's how mm-hmm. it appears and, and functions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like I say, if the average person, if, if they could go into a commercial rod operation, I don't care if it's a, a premium make or a lower end rod, one yep. of the lower price points, they would be shocked to find out that all the level of skill and, and craftsmanship and everything else they might infer from looking at the advertisements from these rods may not be there when they look at the rod. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the, the average person with decent hand skills, they can do this and whether or not you're satisfied with your first attempt, that's going to be up to you. You yeah. know, if, if you have a, a gnat gets in the finish on one of the guide <laughs> wraps, or you have a little glue line here or there, right? These are things that are apt to happen and I wouldn't get too upset as long as the rod works, as long as it's functional. Yeah. You know, your um your workmanship is going to improve as you go along and your your fingers, uh your mind muscle memory gets better. Uh wrapping a guide, gosh, I guess the first rod that that I wrapped, it probably took me 10 or 15 minutes per guide wrap. Oh, now yeah, I can forever. I can wrap a guide in 25 seconds. Right. I mean, so it's it's um that's just something that comes from from repetition. Yeah. But I, I would I would be hesitant to tell people you can build a better rod than a factory rod on your first attempt. Some can, some won't be able to, but most will be able to build a nice functional rod. And that gives him the build, first building block to move on from there to additional building blocks. And yeah. I would say within, within a few rods, they'll be building some, some very nice equipment. Absolutely. And, you know, um, another thing that I'll add, listening to your good advice here we will certainly not name names, but you know, just because you've been building for a long time doesn't mean you won't have some glue lines and some other, right? Like again, different people have different discernment levels of fit and finish and quality and everything else like that. So uh, to me, a lot of that is a choice. Like how, how diligent are you willing to be? How patient are you willing to be? And one of the things that I remember being a big learning for me, um, and I, I'm sort of, I'll share this and then I, I want to ask for your pointers or any other tips or guidance you'd give people. And then we can talk a little bit about resources. One of the things, the trap that I fell into as a builder uh, is uh, I was I was in such a hurry to see the finished rod that I probably undervalued each of the individual steps along the way, right? And the finished rod is the culmination of all those steps, right? Right. So it's almost like slow down, enjoy the process, be patient, set reasonable. And the, the other thing is it, it takes a while and you got to set it aside and let things cure and you got to wait. And And I don't know how you are, but to this day, I have days where, I go down in the shop and I start building and everything I do comes out right the first time. Well, every so often I have a day where I just cannot seem to get it right. You know, I don't know whether it's I'm in a hurry. Let me stop you right there. You just said something that's very important. And and this applies not just to building rods, but almost anything you do in life. And I can't explain it. I know there was a a big movement some years ago. They talked about human biorhythms. And Mm -hmm. I don't know about all that, but I do know (laughs) there's some days 
where you seem to be firing on all cylinders, everything works, everything goes smoothly. Other days, everything you do is wrong. You're making mistakes. You're all thumbs, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I have found in all, not just building rods, but anything, when I come up against that sort of thing, rather than fight through it, sometimes it's better to say, you know what? Let me put this down. 100%. I'll come back to it tomorrow right. or the day after. Yep. And often you do that. And when you come back to it, suddenly you it's wonder what the issue was. Everything's yep. fine. Yeah. So again, going back to what I've said several times, I know we've rambled a bit in, in this particular podcast, but I just want to make it clear that don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. Don't get too frustrated. Yeah. Keep it simple. Don't make it complicated. Too much information could be a bad thing. Yeah. Just stick to the basic steps. You'll be fine. It's, it's great advice, right? And, and, and enjoy the process, you know, so, and there's probably variations of people who enjoy the process as much as they enjoy the finished product. For some people, the process may be a little bit of work or tedious, but they love the finish. It, and you're going to fall somewhere in that continuum and that's fine, but take your time, go slow. And, and, and again, this is to me, the single greatest advantage of building your own is Quality control begins and ends with you. You are the only one who decides, do I stop and do this over or do I keep going and good enough is good enough to use your term, right? And, and there's no wrong answer there. But um, I would say that it's this series of each one very simple steps that if done simply and well is going to yield you a wonderful finished product, right? Yeah, the, the goal should be strive for perfection but don't be too hard on yourself if, if you don't get it. Especially the first time, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so great advice. Um, and I don't think we've rambled. I think this is interesting, right? And, and sort of on point, but I I, I love this stuff. Um, let's talk a little bit about resources for people. And I want I want to make sure everyone has heard Tom say multiple times, I think at least two or three times, information overload can be a problem. Be careful of your sources. Be careful of not trying to do too much the first time and all that. And, and I think we are both telling you, don't try anything. If you just start basic, single color guide wraps, simple, you know, assembly, you're going to be really, really happy. That's not to say that some aren't able to do something really sophisticated on their first try and, and aren't, you know, are very gifted at it. But keep it simple. Keep it basic. Focus on the quality, strive for perfection. You're going to do really well. But I don't want to overload people with too much information. But we talked about, I think your book, you'd never say this, but I think your book is very, very good. If you can find a, a copy of it in a bookstore or used somewhere. And and, and I, I should have pulled it up in front of me. And I went to look at your websites to get the title right. But it's The Fundamentals of Rod Building. Isn't that the title of it, Tom? No, Rod Building Guide. Rod Building Guide. Okay. So uh, Rod Building Guide by Tom Kirkman, I think is a very good, especially for your first rod, like there's a lot of good information in there, but it is very simple, very straight ahead, very easy to follow everything you need, nothing you don't. If you want to go deeper, this, the Seaboid Pfeiffer uh, Rod Building and Tackle Craft book is very good. If you can get this late, something like 2000s edition, yeah, that's still the one you want. Yeah, because I have one that I think is from like 72 or 73. That, that, was, that would be Tacklecraft. Tacklecraft. That's what I've and got. They did, yeah. they did a second printing in the late 90s. He expanded it to the complete book of tackle making. And then in early 2000s, he revised it to the complete book of tackle making and rod building. There okay. is rod building in all of his books. Right. But he right. went to much, much greater detail in, in the last one. Um, while we're on the subject, mm -hmm. since we talked about classes, let's talk about rod building kits for a minute. Sure. When, when I was coming up, Gosh, we didn't have 
anywhere near the variety of rod blending components we have now. We no. spent a lot of time in the hardware store trying to find something to use for a butt cap or a winding check. Uh, right. Uh, finish to put on the wraps. I mean, I, that even predates some of the epoxy yep. system. Right. And um, now about anything you could possibly want to put on a rod that doesn't require any fabrication or modification by yourself, you can get. But that can also lead to information overload. Yeah. You see a lot of guys have questions about, well, I, I don't know what diameter of this or what should I use here? And this company's got this and this company's got that. I think kits can be a wonderful thing for the first time rod builder. As long as it's a good kit, there, there are some kits out there that maybe aren't that great. Uh, I'd be careful. I would lie on people that uh, have sold these kits for a while, kits that have got good reviews. And also don't think that just because it's a kit, it's going to be a paint by the numbers type of thing. You're still going to have to do some handwork. You may have to ring some arbors. You yep. may have to sand a little here, trim a little here. Right. Um, when we say rod building kit, it's it's not a plastic model kit, not paint by the numbers. <laughs> um, it's parts and pieces that will go together with a little bit of your help into a completed rod. You don't have to worry too much about figuring out guide sizes and spacing. It's going to have all that. And, and none of this stuff may necessarily be absolutely optimal. Yeah. But it sure makes it easy to get started. And again, that's what we're talking about today is not building the greatest rod in the world. But how do you get started? Once you get started, everything everything else, you've got time to do that down the road. But you, yeah. you've got to get started. Yeah. And, and with that said, I feel like this should come with a, a warning label. <laughs> like we are not responsible for addiction or, oh, you know, it happens. complete, you know, absorption into this craft and how much money, time and effort you may spend on rods for the rest of your life. Uh, because certainly if you're if you're one who gets the bug, it will be uh, it will be a lifelong love affair uh, like like it has been for Tom and like it has been for me. And I, I, I think I wish that on people. I don't know. Maybe maybe I shouldn't. But I. It certainly has been uh, a great joy for me. And, you know, it's so interesting. And I know you're a woodworker too, Tom, but like some of this stuff, I just find very calming, very relaxing. Like it it puts my mind, it makes, it stills my mind in a way very few other things do. Maybe, maybe that's why some people meditate or do yoga or whatever. But when I'm turning grips or handles or I'm, I'm doing finish work or some of these it takes things. takes your mind off other things. Oh, everything. And it's just, uh, it's, and then to have that, it's hard to explain the, um, the investment you get when you go catch a fish on your own rod or when you get it exactly right, when this rod will do for this technique, what you've always wanted and it, you could never quite get it. Um, or, or the gratification you get when you build a rod for someone else and it's their very, very favorite rod and, and they come back and rave about it. I mean, it's that, that for whatever reason, I don't know what that says about me and, and where I, uh, get my engagement and gratification, but it's very, very gratifying to, to the point of being struck by lightning to use David Boyle's term. And I've never been struck by lightning and I don't think he means that literally. I think he means it figuratively, but, uh. It's a great craft. Another resource, Tom won't mention this, but I'm going to mention it. Uh, Rodmaker Magazine, the the only, the preeminent, the undisputed king of, you know, rod building instruction at all levels from the basic and the fundamental to uh, to the very, very advanced, um, pretty much every major technique that I can think of that's been new and innovative to the craft over the last 
20 plus years. I read about it in Rodmaker magazine. I tell Tom all the time, I don't know what I would be building if I if I didn't subscribe to Rodmaker because there's a lot of inspiration in there. So that's a really good resource. You can get back issues and things if you're interested. Um, you know, if you wanna if you wanna learn more in person, you know, you can Google there are if you're fortunate, and, and Tom kind of mentioned this earlier, you may or may not live where there's classes. You may or may not live where there's a rod building chapter or group or organization or a rod guild chapter or the NURBS or um, those can be great places to start, though, if you do live in one of those areas. A lot of most cities have a tackle store, uh, a fishing tackle or outdoor store where there's someone who does rod repair or maybe building rods in the back. That's somebody you can go talk to and perhaps connect with. And then, of course, if you if you want to see what this is all about, the International Custom Rod Building Exposition every February in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, the, the uh, ICRBE it, it is another great resource. And we'll put links to all these things in the in the podcast description. And I, I guess, Tom, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Dale Clemens books. Like, so Advanced Custom Rod Building was the the Bible once upon a time that so many of us learned from. It may still be available. I think it is. I think, I think there's enough in print. You could find one if you wanted yeah. one. And then, and then the Advanced Thread Art, or I can't remember. I always forget the name of that other book. But Custom Rod Thread Art was the Custom last Custom Rod Thread Art. There we go. So by Dale Clemens. By the way, Clemens. the samples that he used uh, to take photographs from will be at the expo this year. Oh, yeah, that's so interesting found, found to me. a gentleman yeah. that had, has all that stuff, and he's going to bring that. And It's have his a, son-in-law, right? Uh, son-in-law, Married yeah. to one of Dale's daughters, yeah. So anyway, fascinating stuff. So if you want to see that, it, it certainly is a... In, it's a a piece of history. I'll 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 leave it at that. But uh, very very interesting stuff. So, Tom, anything else? Any final or parting thoughts? I would just say that the people that are really intending to get involved in rod building are going to do it one way or the other. Other people will say it's not for me. I think today the people that I have been trying to address are the people on the fence. They want to do it, but they're worried that they're going to spend money and end up with a mess. Yeah. And just have wasted their time and, and their their money. That's doesn't have to be the case. Yeah. Uh, the the resources are out there. The information's out there. Uh, this is not a terribly terribly difficult craft. If we're just talking about the basic parts of building a fishing rod, uh, as I said several times, if you went into a commercial rod operation and you saw how the rods are being built, you know, uh, uh, mostly ladies who are technically better at hand skills than, than men are in general. Um, with a glue pot in the middle of a table and a paintbrush and they're slathering on epoxy and sliding things into place. And if they don't fit, they shim it with this or that or the other. And yeah. uh, wrapping a guide, uh, as long as you have good vision, if you don't get a pair of cheaters or whatever you oh, yeah. need, which I have to wear now. I was going to say, there's not enough, starting to get to where there's not enough cheaters in the universe good, for good, me. <laughs> good, good vision is, is important when you're working with small items on it. And um, you you can do this if you're on the fence and you want to do it, but there's something holding you back. If you're just worried that you won't be able to do it, you can do it. Other other people are doing this every day. They're getting good results on their first attempt. They're catching fish on these rods. Uh, and then from there, how far you want to get into it. Totally up to you. That's right. Yeah. Well. Awesome. Great advice. And uh, Tom, thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, you are a, a very credible source and uh, keep me honest and temper my enthusiasm to uh, professionally. And uh, I appreciate it very much. And so uh, thanks very much, everybody, for listening. Tom, thank you for being here. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. And, uh, you know, we look forward to uh, you downloading, liking and subscribing wherever you get your podcast content. And we'll see you next time. 
That's going to wrap it up for this week. But if you'd like to be notified as soon as all new podcasts are released, just text the word fishing to 587-317-6099. We'll add you to our email list so you can stay up to date. Thanks for listening.